my job on this expedition to try and find any evidence, dead or alive, to the existence of this. everyone and welcome to the Fort Weird podcast. I am very very excited today because my best friend Brittany's here. Hi, I'm Brittany. <laughs> now, when this episode airs, Taryn will have already had her baby. I know everyone's super excited for that to happen. So, that's why I'm having uh, several other people come on and Brittany's going to be the first one. Yay! Yay! Go me. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. Now, you've heard me mention Brittany before. She is one of my best friends. She used to live up here in Fort Wayne, but she moved to Atlanta, Georgia. I know, right? Yeah. How bad is it? Eh, Traffic sucks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I went to visit her down there every once in a while. It's fun down there. There's a lot to do. There is a lot to do. Now, the one thing that I really enjoyed doing while we were down there was um, our self-done Walking Dead tour. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was so much fun. Uh, what I did was I Googled um, different sets of The Walking Dead to figure out where we should be going. And they were all kind of sort of around the Atlanta area. So I'm like, okay, we got to go here. We got to go here. Yeah, <laughs> and there's quite a few. There is. It's so great. It was so much fun. And if you guys... Not a lot of you are, because I don't accept very many people that I don't know personally. But on my, I know on my Facebook, I have all those pictures. Yeah. I'm not sure if I have them on Instagram or not. I don't know. I might have some. I haven't stalked you in a while. No, it's been a bit. <laughs> I might have them on my personal Instagram. But since I'm releasing this episode, I might re- release some of those pictures so everyone can see what we're uh, talking about. Also, since it was my birthday, Brittany got me birthday presents. And you will see on Instagram that Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, I posted the pictures of Billy the Bigfoot. Yay! He's so cute. And I'm gonna gonna plug Brittany's little Richard. <gasps> yes. <laughs> One of the pictures has little Richard in it. If you've you've seen him sitting next to Billy the Bigfoot, and he's he's a little penis. <laughs> <laughs> he's a butt crack. He's the best. He's so great. <laughs> he's adorable. I love it. Brittany, is there anything you want to tell everybody about yourself since you're here? I don't know. All right. I just thought I'd ask. You never know. I'm weird. Wow. So I guess it's fitting. (laughs) You know, you can't be friends with me if you're not weird. This is true. (laughs) Kind of the same way back, though. Yeah, that's true. Want to tell everyone how we were forced to become friends? Sure. (laughs) I told. I I like telling the story. It's funny, though. (laughs) It is. Brittany used to be married. She's not anymore. Nope. Which is awesome. Believe me. He's never going to listen to this, so I don't care. He's a piece of trash. I don't care if he does. (laughs) (laughs) He was a piece of trash. But anyways, your ex-husband worked with my husband on the railroad. Mm -hmm. They were good friends. Yep. And it was... We went to dinner, like the four of us. Yeah, we all went to dinner at a Chinese food restaurant. Then they wanted to go fishing. But didn't know what to do with us. So they're like, they can hang out together. Yeah. It's just like, okay, this is the first time we're meeting and you're ditching us. Yep. Thanks. 
So we decided we were going to go over to the Walmart and buy a movie to go watch. Yeah, it was one of the Nicholas Sparks ones, but I don't remember what it was. We never watched it. No, we didn't because my car died. Yeah. (laughs) And we had to... Sorry, I'm too introverted to do this, but ask strangers to jumpstart my car for me. So I made Brittany, the person I literally just met, (laughs) ask strangers to jumpstart my car. I'm not that shy, though. You're not. Like, I have my moments, but for the most part, I'll talk to anyone. (laughs) No. And I love telling people that story because it's like, yeah, Brittany's my best friend. But we were forced to become friends. But honestly, the best part of being married was getting you as a friend. That is true. That yeah. is true. Because during the divorce, you got, you got us. Yeah, I did. That's the story of me and Brittany becoming friends. I love that story. It's funny. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like a rom-com. It but is. a friendship. It is. And it's not... Okay, it is a little different than how me and Taryn became friends. Because she forced herself upon me. You didn't do that. No. But I don't know, it, like, solidified our friendship having the... We were stranded. We were stranded. So what else was there to do? Exactly. We kind of had to become best friends. And we have so on. much in common, too. We do. So it, really, it worked out. It did. It worked out a lot. And I'm very, very happy. This is weird. I'm going to do a weird fact and Taryn's not going to be here. Aww. I It's fine. That's fine. Taryn's at home right now, loving on her new baby. Exactly. And, and she can listen to your weird fact. I, she could, but I know she's not kind of... <laughs> She does the podcast with me, but she never actually listens to it. Hmm. <laughs> no. She, I don't think she likes hearing her own voice. Could be. It is an awkward experience. It is. Uh, I know whenever my sister comes on, and well, she only came on the one time, but she did not listen to that episode because she didn't like listening to her own voice. I'm listening to this episode. Sweet. <laughs> so you're going to hear your own voice. <laughs> yeah, I have to do it at work sometimes. Yeah, that's true. You're used to it. <laughs> Weird fact for today. Did you know that Jaguars are scared of dogs. Weird. I know. So, as long as you're walking your dog, you're not going to get attacked by a jaguar. Hmm. I would hope we don't have to worry about that in (laughs) Indiana. Or even in Georgia. No, no. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I think they have bobcats in Georgia. I don't know. I don't think they're afraid of dogs. No. Well, they might be. And scorpions. Yeah, that's the one thing I don't like about down south. The bugs are bigger. The animals are smaller, but the bugs are bigger. I got attacked by a cicada. Oh, gosh. It got up the sleeve of my shirt. <gasps> and I was, walked in the house, and I'm like, what? what is this? No. And it, no. Yeah. Oh. I'm not usually, like, petrified of bugs, but that thing was huge. It was, like, no. three inches long. That's terrifying. And then it, like, crunched when I killed it. <sighs> I felt violated. <laughs> Because it was, like, touching my skin. It was under here. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. It was horrible. Oh, the one thing I find funny is um, because I was born in Florida. Of course. I say this all the time. I'm sorry, guys. I'm saying it again. Born in Florida. The thing that makes me laugh so much is whenever we go down there and I have to warn everyone about the palmetto bugs. (gasps) Flying cockroaches. They're flying roaches and they're huge. They are. (laughs) And the last time we were in Florida, Tyler, there was one in where we were staying at, was at my grandma's house, and one happened to get in, flew all over the room, scared everyone half to death. So me and Tyler went outside, you know, where there were more. Right. <laughs> but it's normal. Whatever. And we were just like, okay, we're just going to let it be, see where it falls. And Tyler went back inside to get something, and it happened to be in his way of walking, crunched it was the loudest crunch you would ever hear 
It was disgusting. But it was great fun. (laughs) It's fun to laugh at after. In the moment of being chased by these bugs, it's kind of scary. It's very scary. It's just worse because they're so much bigger down there. It's so horrible. I'm not a bug person. And if anyone is, you're crazy. (laughs) I don't hate them. I just don't want them near me. No, no, I hate them. I'm not, uh, no, no. I will take daddy long legs outside. Like, if there's like one on the wall, I'll like pick it up and take it outside because they're cute. But the rest of them are fair game. Or roly polies. Oh, roly polies are fine. I don't see those as bugs, even though I know they are. They just don't. They're so cute. They like roll up in a cute little ball. Yeah, they don't seem like bugs. They're adorable. In lieu of Brittany being here and because she moved to Atlanta, we're going to tell a story from Atlanta. Yay. I'm really excited about this one. We're going to talk about the Ellis Hotel. I have no idea where that is, mm-hmm. other than it's in Atlanta. It is in Atlanta. It's not that far away from the Coke and uh, the Coke Museum and the Aquarium. It's just a couple blocks away. But when it was built, it was not called the Ellis Hotel. It was called the Weinkauf Hotel. Hmm. Yes, because the man who built it, his last name was Weinkauf. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. His name was W. Frank Weinkoff, and he built the Weinkoff Hotel in the year 1913. And it's kind of sort of on the corner of Peachtree and Ellis Street, which is obviously why they now call it the Ellis Hotel. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Back in the day, when they build these wonderful hotels, they always like to say, it's fireproof. And guess what happens every time they say that? It catches on fire. Yeah. Just how the Titanic was unsinkable. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, there's another yes. Titanic. It's like built the same way, mm-hmm. basically. Going to take the same route. And they're saying it's unsinkable. Oh, my gosh. Why are they going to say that? Anybody who buys a ticket to that. No. You're just inviting tragedy. I know. It's no. That's no, not thank good. you. No. Hard pass. No, no kidding. I'm not going. No. Nope. It'd be cool, like, to see it at ports. Right. And, like, go inside it and do yeah. that. But I don't want to be on it in the middle of the ocean. Right. I'm Just good. build an exact replica. Bring it on land for, I don't know, a museum? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do a museum out of it. Then there's no risk of it going <laughs> underwater. <laughs> exactly. No. That's a bad idea. As much as I would want to see a mermaid, that's not how I want to see it. <laughs> no. That's not, that's not the way to do it. And I don't think mermaids are going to be uh, living up that. Towards the Arctic. Nah, too cold. Yeah, way too cold. They're going to be down near the equator. All right. So when it was first built, obviously they said it was fireproof. Even though, even back in the day, they were all like this. It had no sprinkler system and no outside fire escapes. It was built with one central staircase that wound around an enclosed bank of elevators. So aside from the elevator... The staircase was the only way to escape from the building. Wow. That sounds dangerous. It does sound dangerous. It doesn't sound great. But the fire marshal did an inspection and said, oh, yeah, this is good. It's not going to catch fire. Well, it's not that it won't catch fire. Fires can happen. Basically, what they're meaning by fireproof is that if it did catch fire, the frame and integrity of the building would be fine. But unfortunately, if it does catch fire, the inside is not going to be fine and the people in it are not going to be fine it was made out of bricks it's like a 12 foot thick bricks 
So that's good. That's not going to catch on fire. The frames and everything were done with concrete, which, okay, again, not going to catch on fire. Right. But all the stuff on the inside are going to catch on fire. Right, because it's all flammable. The doors are wood. The windows were wood. The draperies were cloth. And the wallpaper itself was made out of burlap. It's all very flammable. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's all going to catch on fire. The Winecraft Hotel is 15 stories tall, except no 13th story because that's how they always made them. What? Yeah, there's a superstition about the 13th floor. Huh. You know, 13's a bad number. It's unlucky. So when they built hotels or any building, they always skip the 13th floor. Which doesn't make any sense because regardless, there is a 13th floor. Just because you're calling it the 14th floor doesn't mean it's not the 13th floor. Right. (laughs) Either way. But there were 15 stories, which makes me believe there is actually um, 16? I don't know. Or 14. 14. Because if it goes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16. Wouldn't that be... Yeah, they were, yeah, okay. So there was 15 floors, but on the elevator would probably say 16. Yeah. Okay, all right, that makes sense. I'm bad at math. <laughs> I just had to count it out, so. <laughs> no one's good at math here. Exactly. <laughs> and also, the hotel was equipped with, um, called transoms above the guest room doors, which when opened would help spread flames in case of a fire. They were, like, for ventilation. To prevent, like, the backdraft effect? Yes. But I don't think that worked. On the morning of December 7th of 1946, the Weinkauf Hotel was filled nearly to capacity with almost 300 guests in the hotel register. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. It was around 3.30 when the hotel's night clerk, his name was um, Comer Rowan, he was sitting there. And noticed that the switchboard light for room 510 was blinking. And the guest asked for something to drink with some ice. He's like, all right, cool. So he rang for the bellhop, who was uh, named Billy Mobley. And he took the items up the elevator and was joined by the night engineer, who was doing a nightly check for the whole thing. And the elevator operator, because back in the day they had operators. Fancy. I know. I've never been on an elevator with an operator. Me neither. I don't like being on elevators. Oh, really? Being enclosed in a small space with a lot of people freaks me out. Oh. Doesn't bother me so much. What if it breaks down? Then I need oxygen. There's too many people in there. That's true. I mean, I don't like it, like, a really full elevator. But I almost never get into an elevator with that many people. Yeah, I usually, like, wait. I'm like, I'll take the next one. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, I'm good. You go ahead. Doesn't work when you're like the first person in the elevator and then a bunch of people start piling Yeah, I get in. out. Yeah, I'm like, I'm good. No, <laughs> no, I'm good. Let me out. They they went up the elevator. They arrived at room 510, but they had to wait for a few minutes because the guest happened to be in the bathtub, <laughs> which I find hilarious. So it's like, you're going to call down for room service and then get into the bathtub. That is a little odd. Like, can't you just wait for your food to get there? Right. And it was only one drink. It's like, you think it's going to take that long to get you one drink? (laughs) You're going to get in the bathtub. I don't know. It was really funny when I read that. (laughs) The elevator operator decided to take the elevator back down because it was taking a while. She wasn't going to wait for him. As she was passing the third floor, she thought she smelled smoke. Took the elevator down to the basement. And then from there, she ran up to the main floor, told Rowan, and... He told her to go back to the fifth floor, find Mobley the engin- and the engineer, 
And then he raced up the stairs to the mezzanine and saw flames reflected in the mirror. So he saw the fire and he was like, oh, crap, there's a fire. (laughs) (laughs) Those were his exact thoughts. Exactly. Probably. Crap, there's a fire. So he ran back to the telephone, called the fire department. And that was around 3.42 a.m. Within a few minutes, uh, three of uh, the ladder and four pumper trucks pulled away from their station. They were only two blocks away. So they were going to get there pretty quick. Right. On the fifth floor, Mobley and the engineer came out of room 510 because they had spent a few minutes talking to the guest and, you know, just chit-chatting. They opened the door and flames and clouds of smoke just swept towards them. So they slammed the door real quick because that's what you're supposed to do in a fire. Right. Yeah. He plugged in every guest telephone as fast as he could, shouting, fire, fire! Yeah. Yeah. Then uh, the switchboard went dead because, you know. Fire. Fire. And unfortunately, the guests who were sleeping were on their own at that point. Yeah. There was no fire alarm, obviously, in the fireproof building. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Uh, by the time the firemen arrived, the building was in chaos, filled with people running everywhere. Many of them were actually jumping out of the windows. <gasps> Fifteen stories. That's not a good fall. No, it's not. The firemen tr- tried to tell them, don't jump. But fire's, you know, coming into your room. What are you going to do? Right. Like, I would be panicking as well. Yeah. It's uh your fight or flight instinct kicks in. Yes. And most people against a fire is going to yes. flight. And I just want to make a warning now. If you are bothered by anything to do with burning fires with a bunch of people inside of them, I would stop listening to this episode because I'm going to get into some detail. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not good. All right. The firemen were unfortunately faced with the dilemma of either fighting the fire or saving the guests. What do you do? Try to save the guests. Yeah. That's what they chose. They were going to try to save all the guests. So they moved the ladders up. But unfortunately, the ladders would only reach up to the 10th story. And they weren't going up fast enough. So people were still trying to jump. But they also had nets. Like the Pippi Longstocking net. Yes. (laughs) So they, they had nets and they were trying to catch people as they could. But it was kind of tragic. Some of the things that were going on. With no way to escape. Guests went to the windows. One woman appeared on the seventh floor ledge holding her two children. Oh, I know. I kind of want to cry already. And I just said that. A ladder shot up to meet her. But before it came within reach, she threw her son into the air, followed by her daughter. Then she fell herself going towards the street. This is straight out of a newspaper. He wrote, her nightgown shone white against the flames behind her as she stood on the window ledge high above the street. The net too caught fire. She jumped, but she missed the net stretched by the fireman. She landed astride overhead wires. Then she hung in flames. Finally, her body broke loose and toppled to the ground. Oh, that's so tragic. It's awful. And it gets it gets worse. I have like goosebumps. I know this gets worse. It's it's absolutely terrible. A fireman reached one woman that was on the fifth floor. And just as she was losing her grip on the window ledge, he swung her around the ladder and onto his back. Great save. As he backed down with her, another woman jumped from a ledge several floors above, struck the fireman and the woman, and all three of them fell to their deaths. Oh, my God. I know. After that great save, and he still dies. 
And the other two women die as well. Firemen and even other people that were on the street tried to tell people, stop jumping. Stop jumping out. But And so a lot of people took bed sheets and tied them together to form ropes. Right. To try to get down that way. One girl crawled two floors down on one of the makeshift ropes that she made. Fire ladder swung over to get her and holding the sheets with one hand, she lunged for the ladder. But a split second before she could grab it, sheets came apart, crashed down to the pavements. And this whole thing is a mess. Like, it, it's so sad. I know. I told you this one was bad. They were trying to hold out the safety nets, trying to catch anyone who fell. One man missed a net by inches after jumping out of the 10th floor. Just inches away. On the 8th floor, a woman stood on the window ledge begging for someone to save her four-year-old son. I can't do this. This is terrible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. Alright, begging someone to save her four-year-old son. Uh, flames were coming into her room as she flung the little boy into the air. One of the just random people on the street saw that there was no fireman near the place where the boy would have landed. So he ran. Oh, please tell me that he catches him. Yes, he caught the boy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he caught the boy. Child was safe with no injury. The mother fell a few seconds later, but was killed. Oh. After seeing others leap to their death, there was so many other people that believed that a certain death on the concrete below was better than burning to death. Or worse, surviving with permanent injuries. So Aww. they were trying to die. Others began to jump, sometimes regretting the decision after it was a little too late. Oh. A girl scrambled for a ladder two floors below as searchlight swept over her. She groped for the ladder, blinded by the searchlight, missed. Her body fell spinning out of control and she smashed through the hotel's marquee oh another woman climbed out onto one of the makeshift bed sheet ropes began to lower herself it appeared that she might make it onto one of the fireman's ladders but then another woman crawled out of a window and flung herself onto the same bed sheet rope their combined weight caused the sheets to tear apart and both of them fell to their deaths many of the guests were saved by nets that were spread out by the firemen below However, a few of them hit the nets with such force that the handles were ripped from the rescuer's hands. Obviously, that's just like hitting pavement. Right. At that point. And unfortunately, there was literally nothing anyone can do about that. That's so tragic. <sighs> it is. And there's more. There's more? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more. A girl on the seventh floor had been patiently waiting for rescuers. She wasn't going nuts. She was, she was going good. Uh, but the flames began creeping out of the window behind her. Annette was finally arranged below, and spectators heard her shout, I hope I live. Then she jumped. Oh, no. She lived. Oh, yay. <laughs> it was good. She lived, although she did break a hip, an arm, and a leg. I mean, I'd take that. I lift. would take that, yeah. yes. Yeah, absolutely. The suicidal mania that people were just jumping to commit suicide stopped after about 20-so of them died. 20 or so people died from suicide. Uh, more of them crept out onto the window ledges to escape the deadly heat. Firemen worked swiftly to get them down from the building. A number of rescuers were injured during the effort. 25 of them were later hospitalized for smoke inhalation. 
Ugh, this is just not a good fire. This is terrible and it makes me cry. And I don't like this. There's there's way too much sadness sadness in this one. Like, I do stories about this kind of stuff. I've done stories about burning hotels, but none of them have had this kind of detail. And it's just heart-wrenching. Really talking about the heartstrings. It really sure. is. While a lot of the firemen were outside trying to catch the people from the windows, a few of them had rushed inside to try try to get control of the fire itself. Inside the lobby, a set of firemen started battling their way up the main staircase from the second floor. Hoses were going, water was going, they could hear screams of trapped guests burning to death in the rooms above them. One man tried to seal off his room, taking his family into the bathroom. He turned on all the water faucets, but the heat from the flames almost instantly turned the water into steam. The toilet exploded, and the man was found later asphyxiated with his head in the shower. His wife, holding onto their children, lay next to him, and they were all dead. This is so horrible. This is not a good one. Why'd you pick this one? I don't know. I didn't know it was going to be this bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, okay. I just thought there was going to be a few ghosts, not 300 of them. Well, yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with all this tragedy, you would expect something to happen there. Yeah. One couple was trapped on the 14th floor. They were very determined that they were going to live through this. We are not laying down. We are not dying. As flames shot through over the door and ignited the room, they crawled out onto the window ledge and slipped into the room next door, which that room wasn't on fire. So it was good. The couple was trying to barricade the door into that room and the man and the woman on the ledge climbed into the room and tried to help. Both couples jammed the mattresses against the door, constantly soaking it with water from the bathroom for two hours. They soaked the mattresses as the room filled with steam, but they lived. Oh yay! I know. See, some of it is good. Yeah. We needed a, a little happy <laughs> yeah, there. We did. Some of it is good. There was a military officer who was staying at the hotel with his wife. His name was uh, Major Jake Cahill. He sealed off the, the vents and then waited anxiously until a ladder reached the seventh floor window of their room. Uh, his elderly mother was in the room next door, but was unable to reach her because of the fire. After he climbed down the ladder to safety behind his wife, he immediately rushed into the building next door and ran up the stairs to the seventh floor. He went from window to window until he saw his mother's room directly across an alley. He obtained a large plank from somewhere in the building, extended it between the two buildings, then crawled across it. He then led his mother back across the shaking board to safety. Aww. (laughs) It's so sweet. He saved his mom. He alerted other guests about the plank, and one of those saved by his method was another army man, Major General Paul Bad. B-A-A-D-E. Bad. Beatty? Beatty? Maybe. Beatty? Sure. sure. I don't know. <laughs> uh, he had commanded the 35th Army Division in Europe during World War II. He's a big guy. Big, important person. He managed to bring his wife with him to the building across the alley. So they were safe as well. This fire went on for six hours. Oh, my God. The firemen fought their way floor by floor through the fires, taking out the fire on each floor, continuing upward. None of them had ever experienced a fire with such intensity as they broke into room after room. Brass doorknobs and telephones have melted. Light bulbs were fused. Heavy metal elevator doors were twisted. 
In some rooms, only the bed springs remained, and the rest of the furnishings were completely consumed by fire. There were bodies everywhere. They were in hallways, in the rooms. There was a dead woman found at an open window. She was untouched by fire, seemingly asleep, but she died of smoke inhalation. Room after room, there were couples who had died in bed, never even realizing the hotel was on fire. I guess if you're going to go out in a fire, that's the that's way to probably go. the way to go. Yep. Yeah, in the middle of all this, hotels stood, never fell. Technically, yeah, they're right. It was fireproof since the structure was still yeah. sound. The structure, maybe not so much the inside. No, the inside was not. The next day, crowds were assembled to see firemen carry away the dead bodies of 119 people. Almost half of the guests. Yeah. Another 90 people were taken away on stretchers to hospitals. This is the worst hotel fire in American history. They really, that, that's it. That's in Atlanta. So, so there you sad. go. The worst hotel fire in American history right here. I feel like I need to drive by the hotel. Yeah. Go, go drive by. That that there's I have a, to go into Atlanta. There's a plaque that commemorates Aww. all the people who died. Although it's kind of hard to find. You have to like walk around the building to find it. Walk aimlessly around it. Yeah, but it's there. That'd be my luck, though. Just kind of like meander <laughs> around, not know where I'm going, and then be like, poof, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Sorry. This is really bad. I started crying like five different times because of how bad it is. It is so sad. Oh, see, I have a heart. <laughs> like I said, I have a Grinch heart. I mean, it's sad. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I know. I also don't have kids, though. So No, it was definitely the stories about the kids yes. that got like, to me. While that did, like, it was sad and hard for me to hear, I feel like it's going to be worse for someone who has kids. Yes. I just have cats. Well, like, if there would have been, like, a dog or a cat in there, I'd be bawling like a baby. Well, it's kind of easy to throw your cat out. They always land on their feet. Not always. Yeah, most of the time. They have nine lives, too. That's true. <laughs> The hotel did reopen in the 1950s as the Peachtree Hotel. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Georgia, and, peaches. Well, because it was on Peachtree and Ellis Street. Yeah. So it's a peach tree. But then in the 1960s, it got transformed into a retirement home. And after changing hands several more times, it sat vacant for years. And more modern buildings were being built up all around it. Office buildings and, every, and it was just sitting there. More renovations were done in the 1990s, and it is now open as the Ellis Hotel. Can I always stay there? You can stay at the Ellis Hotel, and their website boasts that it is very modernized. You can tell it's an old hotel. Do they have fire escapes on the outside now? Yes, they do. They they do have fire escapes on the outside now. There's sprinkler system. There is... Fire alarms. Good, good. It's all modernized, so if there ever is a fire, it's much safer to get out. So, it's good. Now let's get into a little bit of stories of some ghosts. Yay! All right. So, while renovations were going on, making it into the Ellis Hotel, workmen on the job claimed that they were hearing footsteps and voices in empty rooms. Their tools often disappeared from where they had been left. Spooky. And they would mysteriously turn up in odd places where you wouldn't normally find this tool. Hmm. Yeah. Which happens at work all the time, and I blame the H&W ghost for moving our tools. Shame on him. I know. Or her. No, it's a him. It's a him? It's definitely a him. 
More recently, guests and staff members have also reported footsteps, along with loud cries and noises in the corridors, as if a group of people were frantically running down the hall. Which would make sense. Yes. Because that probably what happened. When they look out from their rooms or turn a corner in pursuit of the noisy guests, they find that no one's there. The hallway would be empty, deserted, no idea how in the world all this noise would be going on. Some also claim that they have been awakened at night to the smell of smoke, only to find that nothing is burning. That's creepy. That I've is. actually, that, like, I've had that experience where you're like dead asleep and then you like smell fire and you're like looking all around and nothing. There's something burning. Yeah, I know. It's weird. I hate it. I hate that too. Because I get out of bed, I check all my outlets, <laughs> I go check the oven, yeah. I check everything, knowing full well nothing. I never used the oven the night before. Nothing's burning. The most creepy thing apparently are faces. Eerie apparitions of people's Faces have been reported peering out from the hotel's windows. Oh, no. Ah, people were seeing this when the building was abandoned. The faces were first believed to be those of homeless people, which would make sense. Right. There's a yeah. significantly high homeless rate. Yeah, in down in Atlanta. Yeah. So they would be sleeping down there. Uh, security officers searched the building, though, and found no one inside. Although... You're a homeless person. You're probably nowhere like, to hide. Yeah, you're pretty good at hiding, probably. Yeah. Either way, that's creepy. No matter which way you're looking at it, it's creepy. I feel like, though, if you're homeless and you're there to stay the night, you're not going to peer out the window. Exactly. And there's not going to be, like, a person in every room peering out. I know. That's why that's it's, like... too much of a coincidence. Way too much. So, yeah. Probably ghosts. Yeah. So, years passed, faces were still there, and still are sometimes reported today with an active hotel. People are still seeing people peer out windows, which is creepy. It has to be ghosts. <laughs> it has to be. The images of people are distorted. Uh, they, they're human, but they don't look human. Maybe because they're old ghosts? Maybe. Some people claim to say that they look like they're screaming in terror. That would go along with being... Burn alive. Yeah. Some people, this is the skeptic, some people believe that the faces are no more than the result of, you know, people will, like, see a face out of something that is not a face. Mm -hmm. Like, you see the face of Jesus in a pancake. Right, yeah. It's not really the face of Jesus. You're just recognizing it as a face. Right. Hey, fun fact. Mm -hmm. That's not fun fact time. Fun fact. <laughs> Your brain can't make up faces so like every person you dream about you've seen them at some point in time in your life either if it's just in passing mm -hmm. or if you know them i've heard of that i had a dream the other night that i was uh drumming for the foo fighters and i hung out with dave Grohl. Ooh, that okay that's that's pretty epic <laughs> it was really weird and i don't know why because were you listening to the No, Foo I wasn't listening to the Foo Fighters. We I hadn't talked about the Foo Fighters or Dave Grohl. Like, I don't know where that came out. It came out of left field. <laughs> maybe you need to listen to the Foo Fighters maybe, some more. Maybe that's what it was maybe telling your, me. Maybe your brain needs some more Foo Fighters. Maybe. I need to listen to the Foo Fighters. <laughs> it was really great. <laughs> that's the Ellis Hotel. If you stay at the uh, Ellis Hotel, you might hear of some ghosts screaming and running around and... 
That's pretty creepy. I feel like that that would be so sad, staying in the hotel and then hearing that oh and then God. knowing the history of it. Yeah. I Now that you know the history, if you ever do decide to stay at the Ellis Hotel, yeah, let me know if you anything happens. It's going to be creepy. Well, you know what? When I come visit you sometime, I'll stay at the Ellis Hotel for a night. We can do it together. We'll do it. <laughs> I kinda wanna... might need someone to hold my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of ha- wonder how much it costs to stay there. I don't know. Let's look it up. It's downtown Atlanta, so it's probably not on the cheap side. But it's also an older hotel. True. So, who knows? Let's um, take a gander. Let's take a gander here. We're going to go to packages? going to go World of Coke package. Hey, we could always stay there and do the World of Coke tour. Yeah. Don't remember the flavor that is disgusting, but... Yeah, it's one of the weird ones. Get out of here. All right, we're going to press book now. Book now. I just want to see how much it's going to cost me. <laughs> oh, that's not that bad. $146? Oh, that's no. about 150 a night. That's not bad. Not bad at all. That's a king size room. Yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. The double bed is 170. We'd but, have to get the double bed because yeah. I don't know if you want to sleep with me. But I no, mean, I feel not, like you're a blanket hog. So I am. One we as you see, I have my own blanket. and Tyler has his blanket. No, yeah, that's not too bad at all. We could do that. We could stay there for a night. We have some time left, so I am going to tell you another little fun story. Now, when I knew. When I knew Brittany was going to be coming up here, I asked her to do this podcast with me. And I said, would you rather talk about ghosts or a cryptid? And first of all, she didn't know what a cryptid was. Not a clue. (laughs) Weird creature that is said to not actually exist, but people have seen them. I asked her. She said that that's what she said. She said either a ghost or cryptid. While she was here, she goes, we'll tell the ghost story. I'm like, okay, well, if we have any extra time, we'll do a cryptid. We have some extra time. We're going to talk about cryptid. We're going... It's not in Atlanta. That's okay. Okay. All right. But it is in Georgia. Hey. All right. Have you ever heard of the Ultimaha? Huh? The Ultimaha. Nope. All right. It is a sea serpent of sorts who seems to be around the Ultima River. You know where the Ultima River is? I'm assuming in Georgia. It is in Georgia. All right. (laughs) Other than that, no. (laughs) It's um, southeast Georgia. Okay. Okay. One of the largest rivers in the state of Georgia. Oh. It empties into the Atlantic Ocean and has one of the largest river basins in the country. Second only to the Mississippi River. Interesting. It's very very big. Uh, It extends about 137 miles and it joins up with three major uh, other, some three other rivers, which I'm having, I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing, but I'm going to try. Oklamuji. And the Okany, and those are near Lumberton City. And then joined further downriver by the Ahupi River. I like that one. <laughs> the Ahupi River. <laughs> Empties out into the Ultima Sound above Brunswick, Georgia. So then it makes its way into the river. The river area is located primarily in McIntosh and Glynn counties along the Atlantic coast. So if you're around there. It is not comprised of beaches, but rather is made up of many islands, marshes, dikes, canals, ponds, and rice fields. Oh, no beach. So it's kind of swampy. Yeah. Now the creature, the Ultimaha. I like the name. Ultimaha. Ha ha. Ultimaha. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like. The Ultimaha. It does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, it's said to inhabit um, many of the small streams and channels of the river, marshes, 
uh, mainly around Darren, Butler Island, and elsewhere in McIntosh County. I'll tell you what this uh, cryptid looks like. It's described as having a sturgeon-like body, including a bony ridge on its top with front flippers, but no back limbs. Kind of like a dolphin. Okay, yeah. It Well, here we go. It swims like a dolphin. Here we go. Kind of like a dolphin. Kind of like a dolphin, yeah. Uh, it has the snout of a crocodile Ooh. with large protruding eyes and sh- large sharp teeth. Its coloring is said to be gray or green with a whitish yellow underbelly. Which, if people are seeing the underbelly, they're really getting a good look at it. Right? Uh, reports indicate that it is 20 to 30 feet long. Although some have stated either seeing smaller or larger ones, suggesting that the Ultimaha is not alone. Oh, there's actually there's more. more of them. It has been seen basking itself on the shore, trolling along the river, and even reacted defensively while in the presence of boaters. So it has been seen quite a few times. Hmm. Although there are still no physical evidence, tales date back centuries with the Native Americans. Describing a giant snake-like creature that hissed and bellowed. Oh, oh that's a big, it's a big thing. How have I never heard of this? <laughs> I don't know. Because you don't live near the Ultima River? That's true. That's <laughs> way south of me. Yes. Go south a little bit. Maybe you'll hear some stories. Yeah, but it's hotter down there. It's hot everywhere. That's true. <laughs> and the and then you'll be closer to the coast, so the coastal air will be coming towards you. It should be cooler. It's true. Less soupy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of the first non-Native American reports of the creature was on April 18th of 1830. There was a correspondent of the Savannah Georgian newspaper reported multiple sightings of the sea monster on the Georgia coast. The primary eyewitness was Captain Delano of the Schooner Eagle. I like that they're called schooners. <laughs> <laughs> He reported seeing a large creature off of St. Simon's Island. Uh, his description said that it was about 70 feet long. The circumference was about the size of a barrel. Okay. I don't know how like big a, of a barrel. Like a whiskey barrel, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, its head resembled that of an alligator. And five other men on the schooner also reported having seen the monster, as well as several planters on St. Simon's Island. A bunch of people saw it. In the 1920s, timbermen riding the river reported sighting a large snake-like water monster. In 1935, a group of hunters spotted what they called a giant snake swim through the river. And in the 1940s, Boy Scouts reported seeing the creature as well as two officials from the Reedsville State Prison from the 1950s. Everyone is seeing it throughout time. I'm not saying, like, it's, like, hundreds of reports through a year, but even one or two reports every year, it's, like, it's still there. People are seeing it. Right. So, it, over the years, it's still there. Yeah. Uh, see, in 1969, two brothers were fishing on the Ultima River. They reported seeing an animal that they first thought was a sturgeon, but quickly changed their mind when they got a better look. Oh. They said that it measured about 10 to 12 feet long. Which is a a smaller one. Yeah. With a snout like an alligator and a horizontal tail. It also described the creature as having a triangular ridge along the top of its body, 
sharp pointed teeth, and being gunmetal gray in color. So if you're thinking that what they saw was a gator, I'm going to go ahead and say no. Mm-mm. Gators are obviously scaly. You mm-hmm. can tell if it's a gator. What it sounds like they're... It's a dinosaur. Yeah, it looks it, more like a dinosaur. It looked more smooth. Like, they didn't say anything about it having scales. Who knows? People see what they want to see, I guess. In the summer of 1980, two men saw the creature stranded on a mud bank near Cathead Creek. They reported that the animal was lying halfway in the water, thrashing and trying to free itself from the bank. They said it was dark colored with rough skin and about 20 feet long. While watching, the creature did free itself, submerged, and disappeared. Later that year, in December, another man reported having seen what he thought was the Ultima Haha <laughs> in Smith Lake. <laughs> Uh, he said that the animal was 15 to 20 feet long, snake-like, with two brown humps that protruded from the water, and left behind a wake like that of a speedboat. That's fast. That's very fast. That's crazy. Another report in the 80s described a crab fisherman stated the creature looked like the world's biggest eel. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, 2002. A man was pulling a boat up the river near Brunswick, reported something over 20 feet in length and 6 feet wide break the water. And in 2010, an amateur photographer captured video of something strange swimming in the channel off Fort King George Historic Site in Darren. And that is all the sightings that I have on the Ultima. That's pretty recent though, 2002. 2010, yeah. And it was this... uh, article that i'm reading was last updated may of 2017 so who knows if any more have ever popped up either could be be. well there's all of our georgia stories just for you ruby yay Yay. i'm glad it ended on more of a happier note yeah i kind of yeah turned out way sad it did i'm kind of glad we did it this way but we still need to have the cleanser so you get to read a dad joke yay should read it from the new one you bought oh i should yes She bought, she bought a dad joke for us. Pretty excited about it. Ooh, what do you call a fake noodle? What? An impasta. <laughs> I love dad jokes. They're the best. Oh, they're so good. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that, Brittany. It has been amazing having you on. It's been and amazing I, being here. I wish you could be here more. I'm sorry. I miss you. If you want to get a hold of me, or if you even want to get a hold of Brittany, I'll forward it to her. Yay! <laughs> My email is heather at fortwardpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at fortwardpod. If you want to get on our website, you can. It's fortwardpodcast.com. Please rate and review us on any of your podcast apps that allow you to do that. That helps us get seen and get noticed and other people listening to us. Bring us up to your friends and family. Tell them, hey, you should listen to the Fort Weird podcast because they're awesome. That's what you should do. Uh, Brittany, do you have anything you want people to follow? Oh, yeah. You should follow Little Richard. He's Life of... What is this? I don't even remember. <laughs> life of I Little Richard. I feel like it's Life of Little Richard. But it might be Adventures. It is Life of Little Richard on Instagram. Life of Little Richard. He, he currently oh. only has seven posts because, you know, yeah. he's new. Yeah, he's... he's- He's a new little penis. Yeah. Cute little butt crack. <laughs> his, little, his little eyeballs. Well, I uh, 
I I tagged Little Richard in my Instagram post that he took with uh, Billy the Bigfoot. So if you want to go ahead and follow Little Richard and his adventures, it's going to be good. He's adorable. Yeah. He's quite comical. <laughs> he is. He jiggles. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, guys. Well, we will catch you next week. Bye. Bye. The existence of this 